When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 3, Episode 4, Chapter 20, The Foundling. Uh, Aaron, this is a really short episode. I think all told, the action of the episode is like 30 minutes. And then you got credits. It's, it's under 30? It might be under 30 with credits in like preview, previously on. Yes. Did you think anything of it? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, yes, I agree it was short. I, I, did it feel short to you, though? Because I didn't. I thought I, I this episode hit the spot for me. Oh, okay. I, um, I really enjoyed it. I really noticed how cute Grogo, Grogu is. Um, just now noticing, you know, huh? Just no, now. I mean, I have Catch before, up. but like, I, I feel like, you know, well, we went away from him almost entirely the last episode, and um, I was thinking like, you know, usually the show hits you over the head a lot of times, and in these four episodes, I can think of like, well, him crawling through the little bubble tunnel to crawl up in Mando's lap, that was really cute, but like, this episode really showcases him, and showcases his, the, the fact that he's a practical effect, you know, which I think adds immensely to his charm and his likability that he kind of like uh, they did a little stop motion. They did, uh, you know, a lot of uh, old school puppetry. And I think that's really cool. I really continue to enjoy the exploration of the Mandalorian culture. And I appreciated the flashback we got of Order 66 Eve. The. Yeah, and I got a lot, a lot more to say about that scene. I, I, but I, yeah, I thought this is—it's um, not a perfect episode. There's a few quibbles I have, uh, mostly around the, how the fuck the biology of this parent feeding its children actually works. Uh, mm -hmm. They eat Beskar. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah. It takes it. To, you have to roll. You have to roll a Mandalorian youth around in your gullet for at least twenty four hours before it's properly tenderized, so you can spit it up to your children. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I thought it's great. Um. What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. Um. There's there's nothing to really object to in this episode. It's it's kind of a short one. Half of it is action. Um. And yeah, I I found myself thinking. At the beginning of this, boy, I wonder if this is going to be worth anything because they start off with, you know, a training sequence that's like, okay, I guess Mando is continuing Grogu's training here. Um, and that was interesting to me. And then we we got off on this side quest and I was like, oh boy, is this going to be the rest of the episode? But it wasn't. It was, there was enough in there with um, flashbacks and with uh, the armor kind of talking to both Grogu and to Bo Katan that I, I think I think it was warranted. You know, even though it's a short episode, they did quite a bit with it. So yeah, I, I ended up liking it. Yeah, I really like what they're doing with Bo Katan. I think they're I think they're rope a doping us. Like I think they're going down the road of you thinking that she's really 
into the Mando culture, and I think it's going more for her seeing a way to explore, 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 to explore, to ex, Jesus Christ, to simultaneously explore and exploit uh, <laughs> okay. the Mandalorian culture. Um, yeah. hmm. but I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's honestly hard to tell, <laughs> boy, this is a human problem. Hard to tell the true believers from the grifters, you know, totally. uh, from, from, and from the cynics. So, uh, but I, I kind of feel like that's where they're going with her. And I think it's also fascinating that once you put the helmet on Katie Sackhoff, she's much more inscrutable. You know, like you can't see whether she's smirking or frowning or whatever. Well, you just have this impassive face listening to Mando, listening to, uh, you know, the rest of the tribe, listening to the armorer. And it's I think it's it does a good job of making her a lot more in, uh, mysterious. So, like, these mm-hmm. are all the speculations. I, I mean, I, I don't have anything to judge by other than, uh, you know, how she's emoting through the armor. So I think that's kind of been interesting, too. Yeah, I think they've done a good job of, of telling me kind of what she's thinking even through the armor. I, I, the other thing about this whole scenario that kind of squicks me out a little bit is how do you tell the good cults from the bad cults? And if this wasn't the Mandalorians, if this were some other unknown cult, we might be a lot more skeptical about what's going on here, right? Um, yeah. I I don't think this is a good cult. Uh, okay, you know, okay. At yeah. all, at all. I, yeah. I mean, I, I find it hard to imagine any cult that's good uh, mm-hmm. because of the nature of cults. But like, yeah, I, I think there's a tendency here to go like, oh, she's returning to the old ways. That's great. Um, I don't know if that's totally true. I don't know if it is right. great, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Should we end uh, the episode? You... Oh, yeah. I just want to point out one thing that doesn't go anywhere else. Did you know that this uh, Carl Weathers directed this episode? I saw that. Yeah. That guy's pretty cool. I wondered mm-hmm. if this was kind of like, oh, he's starting off late in life. He's been directing TV uh, for over 20 years. And he's really nice. worked his way. Like, I think his first directorial debut was for uh, this old She-Ra live action. Do you remember when the, the Kevin Sorbo? No. and I don't remember She-Ra, no. Well, I mean, but I was like, they had the mainline uh, Hercules and Xena. And mm-hmm, then they had mm-hmm. some of the really, you know, I think they had a Conan that was on like, you know, like that. We're talking about like what UPN, like whatever off channel from that you had She-Ra and wow. um, I think they had a Jason Argonauts. But it's like, you know, people were just like, hey, there's there's money to be had in this pseudo Greek bullshit, uh, pseudo Greek God bullshit. But yeah, he started that and he's just like kind of been working his way up uh, and done, you know, I think he had 70 directorial epi- uh, credits to his name. So I, I think he did a great job. Sure. Yeah, I like it. It's probably got to be the highest budget, most action thing he's ever done. And there was a lot of high budget action that uh, I thought was really cool. So good for you, Carl Weathers. Yeah, it's definitely pretty uh, high profile. So that's cool. All right, let's get into the recap. We start off with the Mando's training as Bo Katan looks on. Uh, Grogu watches crabs on the beach, and then Din inserts him into the Mando training program here, and Grogu fights a kid, and he gets hit with two of the three darts that you need to win the match before using his force powers to score three hits at a time. This this is apparently legal. You can apparently just fire all three darts. <laughs> I have in my notes what what in the Quidditch is happening here because 
I felt like they established that this is a system where, you know, like in any kind of martial arts where you go and engage, uh, you score a point, the judge awards it, and then you reset and you do it again. Mm-hmm. And Grogo just like fucking gets to Golden Snitch and just blow, you know, hit them with like I, that kid surely could have done that at any point. Yeah, I don't know if he's like playing with Grogu. You know, like, oh, this kid's going to be so easy to beat. I might as well just, you know, shoot him one at a time, really humiliate him or what. But, yeah, why didn't the the other kid do that? Seems Yeah. But, I mean, like, it could go to what Mando is saying. I I did like that where the kid's like, this he's too small. He doesn't this. Although, I want to say to this little shit, I just saw you get your fucking helmet two episodes ago. All right? All right? And and you can mm-hmm. you can walk and talk and form complete sentences. How dare you ask where this baby's helmet is, you son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I don't, I didn't, didn't like him talking down yeah. to, to to the to, to Baby Yoda. He made but, the classic um, Star Wars mistake of judging someone by their he, size. Exactly, classic. That's like, yeah, perhaps I, I love that. Uh, you know, Mando's. Well, then perhaps this lesson's not for you, or is, perhaps this lesson is meant for you. Um, which would have been hilarious if the kid did just hit Yoda or Baby Yoda three times in the chest because mm-hmm. he could have been like, yeah, what do you think about that, Chrome Dome? um i loved i don't know like i said i I really like how puppety he is i liked him fucking with the hermit Mm -hmm. crabs um i really loved when bo katan straps that dart launcher to his wrist but it essentially covers his entire arm (laughs) Uh uh-huh sure (laughs) little wrist cuff uh i just they don't make grogu sized uh wrist darts they They don't make them i bet the armor i see where are you at with Grogu actually getting fitted full head to toe in Mandalorian armor? Uh boy, we're a far sight from that. We um are, I think it's perhaps. it's gonna be like we talked about, like what does a Grogu helmet look like? Where do the ears go? All that stuff. Like I, I think it's gonna be kind of ridiculous if it ever happens. So I kind of expect it not to happen. I saw some people like uh, Joe Robinson, uh, our buddy over at the ringer was saying, stop putting the baby in armor after this episode, because it's obviously the more he gets armored up, the more danger he's going to be in. And, you know, there's a whole child soldier thing. But and the less cute he is. Right. I mean, I don't know. Those big eyes. You can't cover that face. I think he's going to be. Well, first of all, I do think that they are going to. They're going to find a way to unhelmet the majority of the Mandalorians. I think they're going to there's going to be a synthesis because, yeah, there's no fucking way you're going to cover Baby Yoda's entire head all the time. But but him waddling around in full Mandalorian armor with like some kind of hat helmet that, you know, either covers his ears or I hope exposes his ears or maybe even like works his ears in some kind of horn motif. Oh, I'm I'm really I actually really looking forward to that. I think that's I think fucking cool. I think he needs to get everything but the helmet and then he like puts on dad's helmet and waddles around because that'll be even funnier like him his tiny body and a giant Mando helmet that'd be great maybe they just make his whole armor from it like they just drill the drill a hole out the top and two holes at the sides, and like the entire helmet is his like breastplate <laughs> okay just makeshift Mando <laughs> armor yeah yeah um it. But I yeah, do love his I little like, chainmail shirt this whole time. You can yeah. kind of see it peeking out from under his robes. I love that. It's yeah, it's a nice touch. 
Uh, and I like Mando being a dad, like this whole like classy. Don't look at me, look at him. Like that's been uttered uh, in baseball diamonds and mm-hmm. boxing rings and football fields and basketball courts by millions and millions of times all around the world. Soccer pitches. Um, and I also like the uh, don't speak unless one knows. I like getting all these kind of like fringy rules of acquisition, like little bits of the creed that you know. Uh, and how you find out that this kid that got got shined on by Grogu, um, his dad turns out that this Paz guy re- echoes it back to him, like his his dad's like you know as his he's his his son's walking off you know disappointed. He's like you know making sure the lesson sinks in. I thought I don't know. It's <laughs> uh-huh. it's a tough society, but uh, it does seem like the parents love their kids, which is and I guess these are all adoptive children. Uh, I assume they're all foundlings, but I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think if they've... I thought there was something in the first season about the Mandalorian saying something about uh, romant, how romantic entanglements and stuff work in, in these clans. But I don't know. Maybe they reproduce solely by just getting foundlings, in which case... You know, I thought that was pretty moving that this guy is like, so attached to his... Just just like it, it, it's... It, it's just like we understand... Uh, mando being attached to grogu right yeah it does it does really make me wonder why they don't have any variation in helmets if that's the case like they've never had a twi'lek uh a twi'lek excuse me or an ithorian or like even a mon calamarian like uh, somebody whose helmet won't fit uh if it's standard shaped they've never had anyone like that if these are all foundlings surely not because like it seems like what they um treat as foundlings as we'll see in the in this episode is pretty pretty broad you know so like, right. you have to have some kind of way to accommodate that but you're right yeah this we've never is, seen uh, it we've never seen it super so. humanoid anyway uh cult so far mm-hmm. do not remove your helmet we'll be right back Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot D, Fire and Blood, and the 1980s Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked the question, Who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter. The first two episodes drop simultaneously on Apple TV Plus, and we'll have a pair of podcasts, quantumly linked, ready for you to observe. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. 
We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. This is the way. Back to the podcast. Here's more Tribe of Two. All right, uh, a dragon comes out of the sky, grabs the kid that Grogu was fighting, and takes him away. Din and several other Mandos follow it, but they run out of fuel and have to land. And then Bo speeds past overhead in her ship following the dragon. Um, and, and she returns and says, I know where the dragon is. And then they decide, yeah, we're going to take Bo, Mando, and what they're calling the Shriekhawk training team, including Paz Vizsla, uh, to go after the boy. Yeah, and it's this um, all makes a lot more sense, or it's interesting on subsequent rewatches. This, you know, they reveal Paz Vizsla to be this uh, foundlings or just just child's father, mm-hmm. and like throughout the episode, he's the one like keeping Mandalorians from like firing at the, you know, insisting that we don't use blasters, uh, showing extra concern for this child, and it makes sense on subsequent watches that like he is particularly. I mean, it seems like all the Mandalorians uh, roll with the, like, hey, the like like. <laughs> Most people, uh, our highest creed is we should save children, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> everybody feels good about that one, but like in particular, this is his son. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It seems hard to believe that firing a blaster at a target that big would result in accidentally hitting the child, but that's a chance. There's a chance, I suppose. Uh, especially if it's like it's swallowed. So like anything that you like, you know he's inside the monster so where is a safe part to shoot him like center mass no head eh what if he's low i mean i don't know I mean, it's he it, inside I, the, he's not inside the monster until later right oh i thought he got i thought he just got up and got swat like like did he, he i thought he got, got, he got, he got, he got picked up by, oh right he got hit by the picked up by the claws okay yeah i don't know i'd shoot at it but then i'd probably have to deal with paths <laughs> he's not your that foundling. Be fun. i know exactly. i know <laughs> You're failing the Solomon test here. I'll just, I'll just say uh, it went off, man. I don't know what happened. Like my, my blaster just went off. Yeah, so did my flamethrower well, and my wrist rockets. I wouldn't want to else. be on the other side of Paz Vizsla, man. This dude is fucking huge. He has got a foundation yeah. that you like. His like everything. Be- I mean, he's just in a unit, but like especially below the fucking belt, he is like fucking massive, thick. 
Boba Fat is what this guy is. Not in the P P H A T. He is caked up. He's got thighs like Mando's entire chest. It's like this guy looks like thighs a, like what? Looks like a Titan from Destiny down to the butt towel he's wearing. Uh, which hmm. I can only assume is modesty because like all the other Mandalorians couldn't stop staring. He's yeah. like the armor is like. Pause. I must conceal your cake because it's distracting all the students. They're not paying attention to their studies. All they can do is look at it. We well, must drape it. They, they, must they, drape they, it with cloth. They tried to put him in standard uh, Mandalorian butt plate armor, but it just wouldn't fit. Like they only That's have one right. size, like helmets, and he's just got too much going on. I don't have a spherical mold bubbly enough mm-hmm. for your butt pads. You're going to have to make do with the the butt towel. Yeah. Uh, this is one weakness. Anyway, uh, while Mando's away, the armor invites Grogu to begin working on becoming a Mandalorian. And she shows him the forge and tells him of its importance to the Mandalorian culture. Uh, all about it, you know, revealing weaknesses. And then this is when Grogu flashes back. Do you want to, you want to go through all of this right now? Or do you... Uh, I mean, I, just, I I thought all the armor talk was cool. I, it, it confused me at first because like there's this dawning horror on Grogu's face, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is he scared of her hammering all the mm-hmm. shit he's seen? But like, it's revealed that he's having this kind of repressed memories that we initially saw him yeah. trying to work through with Master Luke last season. Well, no, fuck me, it wasn't last season. It was in Book of Boba, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Because uh, I got a couple confused emailers like, how, how, where, how are we here? What? So, yeah. Um, of course. Of course. They should have expected that. But, but part of Luke, the Jedi training is kind of like, you know, dealing with all your shit. And uh, Luke was, was helping him kind of uncover all these and process them. And uh, here we mm-hmm. get a really extended one, which is cool. So, I just, yeah, that just, I guess, introdu- intro- introduce it. And I like all the, you know, Forge as like, metaphor you know not only do they work on their armor and their their combat skills but they hone themselves right yeah uh yeah. both mentally and physically yeah uh, good stuff and then we get to grogu's flashback uh it's like you said it is when the uh order 66 stuff happened and we're back at i think the jedi temple there in coruscant um he's being hurried away by a bunch of jedi as imperial troops attack He's put on a speeder bike by one of the Jedi, Kelleran, and they flee the, uh, the troops. Though, uh, and then fly through, you know, traffic on Coruscant. They manage to lose the troopers. Grogu's taken off-world in a ship by Kelleran, and then we come back to the armor, and she forges Grogu a rondel with the Mando symbol on it. Do you recognize the Jedi Master Kelleran? Uh, I was going to make a lot of jokes in this scene about how Jar Jar Binks shows up and says, Misa, Misa got to get this baby out of here. Uh, I decided not to because I think Ahmed Best is like, this might be his redemption tour. Yes. Like him trying not trying trying to make you forget that he was Jar Jar Binks and how badly all that turned out. But I, I, I actually, yeah. Cause- I looked into this and it's pretty dark and I thought it would be cool to talk about because I, I the second time through I found this extraordinarily moving mm-hmm. but, so this guy is Ahmad Best he is best known as the voice actor and the uh, uh, you know, he's the Andy Circus guy. to Jar Jar 
exactly uh, except for everyone hated jar jar and yes nobody loved him it, which and, which is ridiculous considering they're doing basically the same thing jar jar is Gollum, but whatever well whatever. but it's it's so that's what i'm saying um so ahmed best is this guy he's he's only a couple years older than me uh he was like born in 73 i was born in 76 so he grew up worshiping star wars of course grew up in the bronx uh, had a flair for like theatrics, so he got into uh, you know uh, various dance troops and stuff. He was noticed while he was in Stomp. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Never saw so, like, it, but yeah, know, I remember it. Yeah, like they're just banging pots and and garbage cans and PVC pipes together, making music, and it's all very rhythmic. And uh, this Lucas Arts representative saw Ahmad Best, uh, you know, with the garbage can strapped to his feet, stomping around, making the music, and they're like, "Oh, we need to physically." A gifted kind of actor who's got uh, you know a lot of strength and athleticism to portray this like combat frog that we're we're trying to get to you know because they're envisioned a lot of like battle scenes and all this other stuff. So they approached him and was like, "Hey, we want you to be in Star Wars." And Ahmad's like, "This is super cool. I'm going to be. I'm going. I'm going to fucking be Chewbacca in the prequel series mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Like one of you know like." how jazzed he was about it and he shows up on set and they strap the frog head to him and he's doing all this stuff and um i guess he had this decision um when he was voicing his lines to i I read this interview where he's like you know i I loved reading to my nieces and and nephews this kid's only like in his mid-20s at this point and you know sometimes when i'd read him i'd read in this exaggerated what i call my kid voice you know that oh me after this me and he started doing that on the set and George Lucas liked it so much. He's like, I want you to be his voice, too. So now my best is like, you know, um, again, it's just something that that he was doing. It's, this is all just joyful. Right. And the movie comes out and everybody hates it and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. heap a lot of fucking scorn on him. And we've we've seen this with Jake Lloyd. We've seen this with, uh, what is it, Kelly Marie Tan- Tran. We've seen this with, um, uh, who is the older Anakin? Uh, Christian Haydenson. Like, people take their dislike and dissatisfaction for their thing. And instead of, like, blaming Lucas, blaming, you know, that they, they, they focused anger and hatred on the actor. Mm-hmm. This was so, and not only that, so that's bad enough that, like, uh, you were Chewbacca and everyone decided this Chewbacca sucks. But then, like, aside from the fan reaction, you had this other critical reaction of, like, not only is this just a bad character, but you've got this character who's, like, a, a stereotypical representation of certain segments of African American. As a mm-hmm. black actor, that's got to be uniquely hurtful to be here that, like, not only are you a shitty Chewbacca, but also you are embarrassing yourself and your whole race, and you're doing a step and fetch at mi- sci fi minstrel shit for the man's entertainment. And he's mm-hmm. talking that he became suicidal because of like this. This again, mid twenties is your big break. You think it's going to go the one way, and it completely goes the other. And he like wanted to kind of have nothing to do with Star Wars. Um, so about three years ago, Lucas Arts, you know, uh, approached him to be a Jedi, some kind of minor Jedi role in like a, a trivia video game. And that was all fraught because, like, right when he was going to do it, COVID hit and it got delayed, delayed. I think this is a really nice touch to put Ahmad Best in this badass Jedi Master who single-handedly saves Baby Yoda's ass against overwhelming odds. Uh, Like you said, the redemption tour, I think, 
that's i just think it's super cool i got kind of like emotional when i was reading his statements about it and how much it meant to him and like damn i hope we can as a fandom um and unfortunate prize there's new fans born every day but i hope we learn something about this that like sure holy hell let's not let's not make these people's lives miserable when they do something we don't like right you know like you can hate the character don't hate the actor uh, the world would not be better if Ahmad Best had like offed himself or become a heroin addict because of how hundreds of thousands of people how mean they were about about this thing to him. So I don't know. I just thought it was really moving, and I got a real kick out of seeing this guy just kick so much ass. He was super cool. Yeah, I wish it was a bigger part. I, I wish that it was something that could be an ongoing part. Um, that to me would be the real redemption because Jar Jar wasn't in one scene. Jar Jar yeah. wasn't in a flashback. Jar Jar yeah. has made much more of a mark on Star Wars than this Kelleran character. Yeah, I don't know what's happening in like some of the other series. Maybe they're going to have him as an ongoing character. Uh, if that's the case, good because that's what it'll take. It's not. It's not going to be one scene. I think that does it. Um, well, if anyone survives cool the Jedi see. Purge, it would be this guy. And I think that because Ahmad's almost fifty now. Um, Chris got the whole black don't crack thing. Um, but they <laughs> sure. could, he looked, I think he looked pro- plausibly in his early thirties. It would be very easy for him to come back. I think with some gray, like, you know, gray in his beard and hair and maybe a little le- less makeup and de-aging and he could play. Cause we know various yeah, yeah. Jedi masters did survive the purge. And this guy, when the lone survivors of Coruscant with the only, but yeah, I, I even like the little touches like, you know, that there's like this one loyalist Naboo guard that prepared a starship to get all the younglings away and they could only get the one and the without hesitation. I don't know. I get I get all choked up when people do crazy shit for kids. But like these guys just like in a snap decision, like decide to lay down their lives and die. So mm-hmm. this guy can escape with his kid. I, I don't know. I thought uh, it's pretty yeah, cool. No, it is cool. Um, I like the chase. I, I like pretty much everything about this scene. They got to use the tallest mountain on, on Coruscant again. They crash land on that plaza. Oh, did they? I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that when and he's when like skittering around on on the ground there? Okay. On the speeder bike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting scene. Uh, good piece of action. Probably the best bit of action. I I don't know. Uh, it's good Jedi. It's, it's, it's good toss-up. Jedi. You know, it's this or the dragon, but... I like this Just a lot. Good, Je- good Jedi v clone troopers, and then you mm-hmm. know, back in the present, Baby Yoda processing all this. Uh, I like, you know, the Mudhorn sigil returning because this goes back to our pot. This is they they are a tribe of two, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, and and I like them reinforcing that. I thought was really cool. And she says you're going to grow in this Rondel. Not not as much as you'd think. Yeah, you give him yeah, 900 years, he might add another six inches. Uh-huh. And a couple pounds, but like, nah, he's he's really not. He's really not going to. I mean, he's fifty years old. It's he's he's getting up there anyway. Well, see, so okay. There's the other question. Uh huh. I went back and forth between the scene of him in hyperspace because that's how it ends, and then him. I think they're suggesting that he is actually aging normally now that he's like out of stasis because because wasn't his whole deal is he was in stasis for a lot of time. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. So when he's 50, I, I think he's like, it's not that like it takes Yoda's species this much time gotcha. to get to maturity. I, I, I think I thought I noticed that his head is uh-huh. a little less smooth, a little hairier. 
in the present day than it was in that flashback. I, it, it could be my imagination. Right. I'm curious no. of what other people think. Mando at baldmove.com. But like, I, th- I, I wonder if he is going to start aging. Because the other thing, I don't know, we mentioned this. Baby Yoda started to speak. Like when Bo-Katan and Mando told themselves this is the way in the previous episode and they, they in the background, uh, Grogu's going, just making these kind of squeaking noises. If you pay attention, he is choking out. This is the way. This is full. If baby's first words are the slogan of your cult, it's in trouble. The, The baby is in trouble. Well, the other thing is, so I, I saw that on YouTube, but he, I forgot, I can't remember the line of dialogue, but like l- either in the book of Boba or earlier this season, he said another phrase too, like a short phrase. But yeah, you'd, you'd think it'd be Dada or Pedro uh, yeah. or Mando <laughs> or something. But yeah, this is the way. That's that's how cults this work, man. Probably may the force be with you. Yeah. No, this baby's going to be all kinds of fucked up, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I remember there was this one couple in the Kingdom Hall that we went to that like bragged that their kid's first name was Jehovah, <laughs> okay, rather than Mom or and I like even in even back when I was fully mentally in, I like that's kind of fucked up, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I how think do you so, understand but... you understand your heavenly Father through your relationship with your earthly parents, right? Like that's what you're supposed to do, and that sure that sounds right. Had a prize. They're probably lying for clout, lying for spiritual clout. Yeah, that's what you do. So All right. three day, three day demerit off eternal life in paradise, brother. You, you, you lie for spiritual clout. Uh, hmm. Anyway. All right, let's uh, move on to Bo and Mando's team landing near the dragon's lair uh, to avoid detection in the proceeding on foot. They detect the dragon atop a mesa and camp at its base for the night, where Bo. Learns how to eat as a Mandalorian. Uh, apparently, they have this ritual where uh, the leader of the war party gets to stay by the fire to eat, and they take everybody takes off their helmets, but the rest of them do it in private, far away from the fire. Which just makes me like so so many questions, so very many questions about the logistics of this. Do they have a designated amount of time that they eat for, and you can't return to the fire in case you would see the war party's leader? with their helmet off during that amount of time or do they just kind of like wander back and just nobody talks about it if they see the war party leader with their helmet off when Bo's done she's supposed to stand up and like Yosemite Sam just fire her guns in the air and say yeehaw all right all right that would work I I did just remind me did I did think of like how bad would it suck to live next to a covert of Mandalorians they're like <laughs> Wait, you the worst kind of redneck neighbor. Eating? Like they're like the the armors banging on steel all day. They're letting mm-hmm. off weapons and grenades and shooting shit up, and their jetpacks are roaring in and out. It's every fucking day. Like imagine six o'clock on Sunday morning. These are you just outside your window. Ting ting, pow pow, boom. <laughs> it's like Jesus fucking Christ. These guys every day. They never stop. Like it would get it would get yeah. old. I really felt for those people on the ring world because it's one thing if you're out in the desert and you're just you know you're in some kind of accursed wasteland world but you're doing that shit in a major metropolitan area it's just not cool man it's not cool yeah imagine if you're you're born uh, you're born onto Mandalore pre-destruction and that's that's it man the whole planet's doing this Sunday at 6 a.m. yeah and you don't and you're not into it I mean it's hell it's hell you can leave that planet as soon as you (laughs) can find a way off this is the way i don't know what to tell you 
You're 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 grunting and sweating and and shooting every damn day of your life. Apparently, mm-hmm. this is the flaw of the episode. There's a curious lack of urgency on these Mandalorians for saving this child. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. fucking believe it when they're like, "Well, it's getting dark. We should camp here before we start climbing." What are these? Are these flying sarlaccs? It takes a thousand. I, I just it just seemed like you would think this thing would feed its child. And I, and I thought maybe mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's going to be like kind of some kind of spider thing where it stores its prey. And I thought that's where they're going at the heat source buried in the nest. But like, I would really like to understand uh, this. This. Yeah. This, this thing just rolls these Mandalorian youths in its mouth for 24 to 48 hours. And I guess what, so. It is like, again, a, a curious lack of urgency to actually recover this kid. But yeah, I, and it's yeah. not like they've really ever seen this procedure before right they don't know anything yeah. about the way this thing feeds its young because they've, never they've been made able to a track point it down right they've never found it before so they know that it's killed a lot of mandalorians we see a few pieces of mandalorian armor and helmets in its nest it's mm-hmm. yeah but well whatever we'll just take we'll just you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll wait it out uh, i'm sure it'll be fine get up tomorrow morning it's cool it's cool well they needed a scene where they made Bo feel important because she's the leader of the war party and she gets to take yeah, her helmet no, off at the I fire. Get, yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, it's what the show does. Wish they could have uh, figured out a different way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next day, they plan their approach to the dragon. They're going to be as stealth- stealthy as possible. And they climb to the dragon's nest, but the dragon isn't around. They search for the boy and instead they find some baby dragons and the adult dragon returns, starts feeding the boy to her babies so they attack... The dragon runs with Paz and the boy in tow, uh, one in mouth, one in claw. Uh, the Mandos go after it. They free Paz and then the boy and drop the dragon into the water where it's eaten by a bigger fish. There's always a bigger always fish. Always a Aaron. bigger fish. Always. Yeah. And then uh, Paz and the Mandos say some pretty husky, this is the ways of each other. I feel like they're uh, both pretty emotional in this moment. Um, mm-hmm. How could you not be? He just saved his son. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I like the I like the production design. It's it's essentially just a mega bald eagle nest. Um, I I laughed out loud every single time this dragon horks up this kid. Mm-hmm. It just it's just just like a baby ro- just a, a mama robin like, like <laughs> this full grown this 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 youth comes out of its throat and is dangling and like I love what? it. What a terrible experience for the kid. Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's been sarlocked for 20 he's got to be terrified and um, he's he's just sitting there he's in the stomach of this thing he's sitting there thinking god damn it he hit me with all three darts at once how could i be so stupid <laughs> that's right you disappointed your mandalorian father your stern taciturn mandalorian father and mm-hmm. as you're brooding about that this giant dragon comes <laughs> and just takes you and swallows you yeah it's Fuck a bad day me. it's a bad day that's a bad day Guess kid's name is Ragnar. I, I never knew that until this scene. So to my notes yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's going to continue to be important. Oh, the other thing is I've kind of turned around how I feel about the Mandalorians and their colorful armor. At first, I thought it wasn't cool. But like now that I've seen mm-hmm. him fight a couple times, they're not like a military unit so much as they are like a whole bunch of gladiators that are just fighting together. 
Yeah, you know, they don't yeah. really do teamwork. They're all kind of independent. They're they're more like uh like like knights of old. You know, they get called up to do, and like I, it it reminds me of like those uh you know the knights chivalric her- heraldry. Like they were guard. You know, it wasn't like in the movie Excalibur, wherever all these knights are wearing these identical gleaming armor and every they look all they they did mm-hmm. have just like this motley collection of colors and flags and banners and uh cloaks and whatnot. And I think you're supposed to understand these guys are a lot more like that. They have this chivalric code and I think it's, I've, I've turned, I've changed my mind. I think it's cool now. All right. And, and it's not too garish. It's not too power rangery. It is very muted. There's a lot of interesting co- color combinations, uh, but I, I do like it that they're <laughs> yeah. very individual warriors that are coming together for common causes rather than like an elite unit, like the clone troopers. It would almost be worse if they were wearing matching armor i mean uh, just individually like all their armor matched yeah because then you would have like a a pink ranger a red ranger situation you know you it'd be weird i like that it's kind of this hodgepodge of like oh you got a green pauldron and a blue uh helmet and whatever else yeah it makes sense because we know that like these things are awarded individually by merit so you probably get them at different times you might get them you know it might be hand me down from other warriors who've died and it it looks mm-hmm. like that it looks like something that's collected piece it, it it's it, it's weird that the mandalorian is like kind of like this gleaming chrome like is that weird in mandalorian culture like you're not even going to paint your armor dude like you got you had enough best yeah. to make a whole fucking suit of armor and you're just going to leave it unpainted what the hell but uh, it doesn't seem uh, like it that is so all of their armor is in Beskar, right? Like, it, I think so. It's all about Beskar. It's all Beskar. I think so. Then what was Mando wearing before this? Um, he's like, so like, I think you start off with a helmet because the Paz's kid just has the jumpsuit and helmet. And the Mandalorian was like earning his other bits of gear. So he, he threw away his old helmet when he got the Beskar one. Like, well, I'm assuming he donated to the Foundling Reserve Fund or whatever. Hmm. See, I was under the impression that this wasn't all Beskar, and that these, uh, yeah, that these pieces were like, maybe you can't dye Beskar the same way or whatever, because um, mm. it's a different type of metal. So they got like some, you get some Mandalorians who are poor or inexperienced have like Durasteel armor or Plasteel armor. Or... That's That was my headcanon, but I couldn't tell you exactly why. Huh. I, could, I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably more important that you show off his Beskar uh, if that's the case. Then I like, do think the Mando is the coolest looking one because he is got that yeah. like gleaming chrome. I, I think that's a fucking super cool look, but I do think it's weird to every other Mando, even like... Uh, Bo-Katan has like, you know, her shit's all, you know, painted stuff. She gets a new piece from the armor and it's unpainted, but presumably she's going to repaint that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more we see them armor go to work, we, we saw her do this a couple episodes ago, but like this isn't just like a plate of armor. There's like intricate circuitry and mm-hmm. like technology. Yeah. I wonder, you know, we've made fun of, like, when the Mandalorian goes running down a hallway, drawing fire, and, like, the stormtroopers are shooting. Like, man, it's a good thing they're just hitting him in the chest plate and the knee pads. I wonder if you're supposed to understand that these armor also project a field that's similar to, like, a, like, like some kind of, like, force field that's similar to, like, a, like, a, like a chain mail, you know, that you would wear under your armor. So, like, 
these big obvious gaps of armor are actually not you know it's it's protected hmm. you, you have additional protection it's not as strong as the armor itself but because else what what the fuck is this i could have sensors and all that other stuff too but like i when she did the baby yoda's rondell i'm like well there's got to be something more to this because what the hell else is this thing doing baby yoda doesn't even have a helmet to integrate sensors into so yeah betting is some kind of passive force field could be it could be i wonder if we'll see that like activated uh for baby yoda for grogu yeah before he gets the rest of his armor can it activate before you get the rest of your armor i don't even know anyway just a little head cannon for myself yeah uh so the team returns to the mando covert and bo katan is congratulated by the armor they reveal that they've brought the baby dragons back to be trained. Yikes. I don't know where they're going to get a helmet the size of these baby dragons, but... Oh, can I get mention another possibility? Sure. So you and I, for one bald move Christmas, we watched the infamous Star Wars holiday special. Yes. The best part of that, <laughs> it's really not even that great, is the Boba Fett cartoon that happens like in the the back third of it. There's like the standalone like nine minute episode. It's well animated. But Boba Fett rides into battle this like Loch Ness monster looking creature. I wonder if they're trying to backdoor honor that piece of canon by suggesting that the Mandalorians also like whenever they slay a giant beast that leaves like they raise that that vicious beast up to be. I mean, I don't think these things can be full Mandalorians. They're not they're not sentient creatures but you know i think it'd be really cool the idea of like the screaming the what was it the canyon hawk or whatever if, if that that strike team is going to be riding dragons in the future because of this episode yeah no i, I imagine that's probably where they're going uh yeah. these can be their mounts because otherwise like we've never seen a mandalorian before or after ride some vast dinosaur beast in the battle but i i i, I hope they do that it'd yeah. be cool you got Boba Fett riding a Rancor. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh, right. This is a thing. Yes, yeah, this is like a it. thing that at least Boba Fett does. And, and Mandalore and himself yeah. is famous for taming and riding a Mythosaur. So, like, yeah, get back to your beast riding roots. This is All the right. way. I'm in. That's cool. Mando's on dragons. Why not? Uh, finally, seeing that Bo has lost a pauldron, the armor forges her a new one. Bo requested it have the Mythosaur on it. Or, no. Yeah. Mythosaur? That's what mm -hmm. it is. Bo tells the armor that she saw a real Mythosaur on Mandalore, and the armor... I I think she's just commending her for her faith here. I don't think she actually believes that she saw a true Mythosaur, but she loves that she believes it, right? The, the armor loves that Bo believes it, because it shows how devoted she is. The armor is super enigmatic, like all these fucking mask wearing people are, but mm -hmm. I I got it where I think the armor is pleased either way. Like either you sure, are you sure. it, like it flatters her worldview that the second you start taking our creed seriously, uh, you either get a faith you get visited by the mythosaur in your dreams as a, a measure of faith, you know, mm -hmm. or if you actually saw that's even better. Like I don't I don't think the I don't think the armor you know like would think that sucked i think she'd think that's cool it might oh, be a yeah, little yeah. bit like 
you know, well, walk, keep walking and see what happens. But like, I gotta be, mm-hmm. I don't know, this is, or that to the Mandalorians, their faith is so strong that it should seem real. Mm-hmm. You know, when she says, but it was real, this is the way. Um, yeah, if you believe that your vision was real, that's a good thing, right? You're fully bought in, so. Yeah. But this is an intentional, this is like Bo-Katan, and I don't even know if I'm going to say this is sin. This is her wrapping herself up in the flag of the Mandalore people. Yeah, the Mandalorian totally. people. Um, I, I don't know her, if it is cynical or if it's legit. I, I, I'm I coming down the side of, oh, she's having an actual conversion here. I know it's happening, yeah. but like it's happening really fast. But I think it's genuine. I think I, I what I hope happens is that she sees the good of this cult, you know, and the ha- fact that they help each other. They instead of tearing each other down and warring with each other. They, you know, take a portion of their proceeds and they make sure they take care of the young ones and their families. And it's all very collective. And uh, it's like there's no hesitation. Like if one of them gets attacked, they all join. Like she, she she's comparing that to her experience of these fractious, fickle, you know, highborn Mandalorians that the ones that left know, her because she didn't have the dark saber. Yeah. Right, right, right. And um, I think she's seen the strength of this, like this, like that there's some kind of like commonality and belief and purpose and unity that she admires here. But like, I, I hope they find a way to like take some of the freedom that they enjoy as enlightened Mandalorians and like return to the roots in terms of solidarity and fraternity and egalitarian <laughs> equality and all that, the, the, the other stuff. Um but I don't know. I I, I, I think it'd be super disappointed if Bo-Katan just joins the cult long-term, you know, and becomes as rigid and, and unyielding as mm-hmm. the rest of them. Yeah. I don't know. Do you- I, I am curious to see how it goes, how she synthesizes her feelings from before with what she's learning about this particular covert here. Because who's to say all the coverts are like this, you know? Well, True. And uh, we'll how many see. of them are? Yeah, like is this like a dying cult? You know, uh, is this a written like? Is there only because is there only one? I don't know because it seems like there's just so many Mandalorians in this one. I would like at least a hundred, maybe. I mean, I would say way more than we've ever seen. At before. least like fifty at the very yeah. low side, but yeah, potentially a lot more. I have another meta question for you. Oh boy. Do you think Katie's wearing the armor? No. Or is she taking a little acting vacation like Pedro? Because if, if you yeah. don't know background in this story, it's like I've read in many interviews that like Pedro does not wear the armor. No. He why would has you? been in it for a handful of scenes. Obviously, the times when he's had to take his helmet off and whatnot. But most of the time, his involvement is reading the scripts, going into mm-hmm. the booth, recording his dialogue. And that is, do you, do you think Kate like as soon as she saw a script like so i'm going to be wearing my helmet for everything but five minutes this season i want the pedro deal i want the pedro deal Uh uh-huh and they were like well the pedro deal is you get paid scale so and she was probably (laughs) like fine i can also film something else while i'm doing this uh yeah no i i don't know why you would ever care to act in the suit like because you were an actor and you liked the chat like i because i the one thing is there was an interview where Katie said that she really liked the challenge of acting with just her body language. 
So like okay. that implies that maybe she is, but so maybe this season she will, and maybe next season. Yeah, next she'll... season she'll re- renegotiate for the Pedro deal, or maybe yeah, yeah. they're all. I, I I do think that they are trying to work to. That's that's why I keep on thinking there's a synthesis here. Is that mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. seem like long term you want to get Pedro, but also Pedro's never been hotter. You know, unless right. he, they locked him down in season one to like a post season four helmet reveal clause. Uh, they might be a victim of the just Pedro's success because he is just so fucking hot right now. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes on TV shows, they do lock you down for multiple seasons. Um, yeah. But, you know, season three, we're starting to look like uh, maybe you could be at the end of a contract like that. Three yeah. years is a pretty long time. Uh, three seasons, rather. It's a pretty long time. Yeah, I do wonder what they have long term. Is it going to be like once they... Because that's the thing is like, if you finish a story of the Mandalorian, you'd still maybe have Din Djarin and Grogu and they could be part of the larger Star Wars universe and have movies and be in the, you know, Ahsoka's story. And like, you don't need mm-hmm. to continue mm-hmm. to have seasons, but, you know, get them for an episode or two commitment. I, I don't know. I, I hope she's wearing the armor. I was kind of a little bummed that I found when I found out that Pedro wasn't. Um yeah, I just don't. I don't think the show requires it. Like they're not no, doing complex doesn't. enough acting for them to need to feel like they're, you know, how dare you, emoting through the armor. They can literally get in a booth and just record this dialogue in two minutes. It's not. It's not complex. It's not, you know, difficult for an actor to deliver these lines, especially yeah. the way they're acting. Uh, they're 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 coaching him or directing him to act. It's not. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to win any awards, is what I'm saying, uh, other than the technical stuff. So, yeah, just get uh, in the booth for two minutes and go film stuff like The Last of Us, where you can actually show off your chops. Do not remove your helmet. We'll be right back. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. 
It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. This is the way. Back to the podcast, because here's more Tribe of Two. All right. Uh, we do have some feedback. We didn't, weren't able to do this last week because we ran out of time, but we do have some time on the shorter episode to, can, to catch up. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Mando at baldmove.com. First up is Tim. They say in season one, they make the best car seem like it's so valuable that an ingot is worth risking your life on a top tier bounty. Now we find out an irritable spider hobo is hoarding it all. Now that he's dead or just more pissed off, but gone at least, all Mando needs to do is scoop up a few helmets slash cod pieces and he and Grogu can build a new razor crest out of the stuff if they want. Nothing else, they could bring it back to the hammering lady and tell her to go swim in it. Beskar problem solved. Oh man, a Beskar ship. A that Beskar be ship for Mando. Jesus. Are they hinting at that with the unpainted N1? Ooh. Could you just replace would... panels in the N1 with the Beskar? Could be. I have often wondered if the N1 was going to be a transition starship because it's useless yeah. for bounty hunting. It really is. Uh-huh. Um, especially if you can't use the the rear pod for, you know, Grogu purposes. Or, I mean, yeah, if you have to use it for Grogu purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think, Tim, I don't think this is a plot hole. I think this is a, a evolution of the world building that, like, Beskar was scarce because the Empire bombed it and there is this, like, myth of, uh, uh, of Mandalore being destroyed and toxic and haunted and cursed. Uh, so they couldn't just go back to the surface. It, it wasn't just the spider that's guarding it. It's the fact that, uh, you know, their world got devastated and then the Mandalorians seemed to descend into some kind of like low level civil war, um, amongst themselves. So I do think that, yeah, what they're doing is telling story is like a Mandalorian resurgence potentially that they're going to come back like the Jedi did. Yeah. It's strange to me that no Mandalorian has ever gone back to Mandalore to see, what could be salvaged there um but yeah yeah i think that when the mine shut down and beskar has become precious it could also be that the mines were nearly exhausted so there still isn't like there might be bits and scraps of metal and armor here and there but like uh because maybe that's what the spider's doing he's harvesting these like leftover scraps of metal, but like there's not like enough for like wide scale but i don't know they've never really said that in lore and you think kate you think uh, bo katan would know that as the mm-hmm. the mandalorian king's daughter um 
The other yeah. thing I wondered if if there's like an iron price situation like we had in with the Greyjoys, the Iron Islanders and the Game of Thrones where it's like best card to scavenge is not like you you maybe you can contribute it to the the youngling pool but like it seems dishonorable. You have to win something in combat or by completing a mission. You have to earn mm-hmm. it. You can't just like go and dig it up out of the ground. Sure, like the dark saber. Yeah. I wonder if they're hinting at that. But anyway, uh, Christine says Disney Plus now has a section where it has the top 10 episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels that specifically has the episodes that pertain to the Mandalorian. So Disney's doing a smart thing, which is they've got all this universe spanning content. They're starting to curate individual episodes and arcs that they think you need to get the background of the stuff and appreciate it. Uh, I also okay. didn't watch the car. I also didn't watch all the cartoons. My, my husband did, so he'd normally just fill in all the gaps for me. But after this last week's episode, I saw that little section in Disney Plus and decided to check it out. And I'm glad I did. Gave me so much more color and context. There's actually some super cool stuff with Barth. Barth. Garth Maul. Excuse me. Garth Maul uh, <laughs> killing Bo-Katan's sister with the Darksaber in front of Obi-Wan. And it was just cool to see what the planet looked like before it was destroyed. As someone who was like, do I need to watch all that? I can say that it was worth it. Though thought it might help since you guys don't seem to much know much about the background and your breakdowns. No offense. Sometimes you guys make me laugh when you're just guessing about things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one last thing. Man, the Mandalore is a title specifically for the ruler of Mandalore. So the people on the whole are called Mandalorians, not Mandalore, even though the planet itself is called Mandalore. Well, that fucking makes a lot of sense. Uh yeah, I at this point, three seasons in, I think part of the charm of our podcast is that we haven't watched the <laughs> cartoons and we are a bunch of Gen X older millennial dads and uncles that are just like we hate the prequels, we hate the sequels, we're thoroughly disenchanted with most modern Star Wars. We like the Mando and we like the Ando, and everything else can go <laughs> Fando itself, right? Uh, so yeah, I, uh-huh. I, at this point, I'm like, I don't, I don't care if the mouse, if Mickey Mouse comes with a best car briefcase handcuffed to his wrist with only the seconds of animation that I need with the core dialogue. Uh, I don't, I don't care. I, I like, I like discovering it through everyone's feedback and I like ignoring the shit that I, that, that, that seems stupid to me. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And apparently thousands of other people do too because i i kind of wondered in season three if like is anyone to come back to because we just like shit on boba fett so much but here people mm-hmm. are so mm-hmm. maybe to listen to despite but despite turns to like that turns to love then obsession uh and 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 then it goes to what i don't know um it, it's hey, pretty you probably want to stop from the obsession yeah yeah, restraining orders uh, branches out into that after a while. So, oh, so. I was gonna say pain and suffering, but yeah. Um, it, I like it, to get uh, I like to get the restraining order in place before the pain and suffering starts. Fair. No offense to Yoda. The restraining yeah. bolts. Uh, I am a big fan of the idea. If you want me to know something, put it on screen in the show I'm watching. Don't yes. rely on me to have seen something else. And yeah. On the Marvel side, they do this pretty well. I just watched Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Felt like I knew basically everything I needed to know for that, and I have not seen either of the other Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Uh, here in Star Wars, I think they have colossally flopped on that with the Book of Boba Fett Mando stuff. 
Um, and then, you know, Clone Wars and all of that stuff that ties in, I'm... Yeah, I, I just don't think I should be required to go watch a different show to understand the show I'm watching. And I don't think it's impossible to, like, understand, you know, the, the Bo-Katans of, of the, the Mando without yeah. all that stuff. I'm not you saying... You don't have don't... a rich background and context right. for all this but yeah. you don't really need it whereas yeah. the book of boba fett stuff is absolutely crucial to the story here you have to go watch that other show otherwise you're yeah. not gonna know what's happening here yeah and it's, it's so sucks because honestly with 30 seconds more of previously on i don't even think that's true like if they just show but if they it's just not previously the Mando, on is the crazy thing. Like you can't just make true. up scenes and previously, previously on, right? on in a completely other fucking show about yeah. a fucking other character. Previously on is supposed to remind you of the things that have happened in the show you're watching in case you forgot, not be all brand new to you if you've not seen any of it. See, that's why so. I think they need to take a, a, a um I think they need to take a cue from the Marvel side and treat this more like these aren't individual series and series but these are like a whole canon universe and you know they they, they really need like I I think they should just do the comic style footnotes occasionally like you know there should just be something on the thing that flies across as like see Book of Boba Fett (laughs) Return of Mandalorian for more you know see uh yeah. wandavision episode three season three episode episode seven for more like they just yeah it works really well in comic books and there's precedent on the marvel side and just do fuck star wars had comic books too they did the same thing it's just do yeah just do a little uh subtitle that says for more information see this well obviously if it bothered me to to not be as informed as i could be here on the podcast i would have watched them by now so yeah. apparently it doesn't. Yeah. And I know but the other thing is like if it, it's like the people that really bothers like would probably be insufferable on the podcast. And there's uh, and there's there's tons of the, the other thing is like we we don't get screeners for this. Like a lot of the people that do the exhaustive breakdown. Uh, here's here's a dirty little secret for a lot of your favorite. Uh, well, no, I'm going to attack anybody, but I do know a lot of people that 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 suggest that they are experts at this shit. Mm-hmm. literally are watching screeners and desperately doing internet searches because no one fucking knows all this stuff, you know? <laughs> sure. So like, I don't, yeah, I, I think a lot, but, but that's, it's fine. And the thing is we can't compete with that because we don't get screeners for Disney plus stuff. And we're always going to be at least two days after, if not more. And rather than do a shitty job of exploring these things, I don't really care about. Mm-hmm. I'm content mm-hmm. to let, some of the the larger, more equipped, more professional outfits do it, and we're just going to shit post about Star Wars. So, mm-hmm. that in mind, let's go to Virgilio, who says you guys went uh, on an uh, in depth on a bit of the AI implications of programming self preservation in droids, especially as regards R five D four. My own hand cannon, head cannon. I've come up with the following: a droid just needs enough motivation, i.e., self preservation, for their AI to be obedient to humanoids, lest they face the consequences of not following orders, memory wipes, destruction, etc. But it must be a delicate balance that they can easily get out of whack. A droid motivated too much by self-preservation is paralyzed by its fear, its own demise, with one uh, with too little motivation won't care if they live or die. While we see R5 clearly on the too much motivation side in this episode, I think it now explains why he's essentially melted down spontaneously in A New Hope. The bad motivator R5's AIs were uh, unable to see any point in existing and blew up. <laughs> 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 Damn, the motivator it's, thing 
surprisingly unliterally i don't know uh yeah yeah i always thought the mo yeah because i think he's thinking a motivator of, of like uh an actor being like what's my motivation in a director yeah. i'm thinking motivator literally like the star wars phrase for engine right it's it's the motor you it's know. the thing that actually turns the wheels of the robot right. yeah uh right hmm hadn't considered it but there must be some kind of thing some device some part in there that gives is, them personality and motivation would be part of that it is something that i'm surprised there's not more commentary on that droids in star wars seem to be sentient creatures but it's up to the individual human or alien of how much dignity you give their person like some people luke skywalker seems to give them more than others you got people like Han Solo and Leia. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. And then you've got the like, no droids allowed here kind of, you know, Jabba torching him, uh, making him fight in gladiator pits. And it's like all over the place. And like, unlike many other fictional things where I've seen tons of ink being spilt about like how we feel about house elves and Harry Potter and things like that. It's very little remarked upon about how like fucked it is. Again, you don't yeah. have to give these people complex emotions and feelings uh, to to if you just want a race of beings a completely don't give them any of that quirky shit. But yeah, you do, and you just follow commands, and that's it. Yeah, and you put restraining bolts on them and mind wipe them to keep them in compliant and torture them in some cases. Like it's whoo whoo, it's a lot. Uh. Drew says, I'm looking forward to your Mando coverage more than any other reviewers. See, our our what? method our methods yielded in results here. <laughs> your experience with the Jehovah's Witnesses makes me curious of how you see things. Many people have been mm -hmm. very moved by Mando reuniting with his clan, but for me, the shunning and subsequent love bombing feels so sinister. Do you think the showrunner's belief all this is sinister, or am I been bringing in my own biases? I don't think they do. I... I... I think if I had to guess how Mando is going to go is that they view the Mandalorian cult as this universally positive thing. It's, it's the, mm -hmm. the culture of a race of beings here mm -hmm. and it's one of like honor and one of uh, togetherness and unity and love and like, they're endowing it with so many positive qualities and I don't see them talking enough about the negative qualities, the shunning, the, the, uh, the, the rigid control of thought and expression, all, all the negatives that you think of when you think of the word cult. Um, I don't think they're thinking of this group as a cult. They're thinking of them as a religion and, yeah. I don't see much of a distinction between the two, frankly. Yeah, and sometimes like you like when you're within a community, you don't see like how fucked up things are. Like I, I and it doesn't even have to be religious cults. Like I was watching this um interview sure. with this one MMA guy and he was talking about his dad and this one experience he had where his mom and his dad got divorced. Um I'll let you imagine why. And like years later, uh, her she is with this other guy who then starts an affair with the, the the neighbor lady literally across the street, and the dad, the the ex husband, the current father comes home and 
finds out that this that this person's disrespecting his ex-wife and he goes across the street and he just i guess just beats the shit out of him and like you know the ex-wife is like oh my god frank stop 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 and uh then after he comes over he tells a story and he's guys at times like his dad's coming over with bloody uh, uh knuckles and he grabs his son who was 12 at the time and grabs him and says i just did your job for you you shouldn't have you should be the you're the man of the house now you should be doing this kind of shit and he's telling this with like tears in his eye and like like i can't believe how great a man my father was <laughs> and i'm like this is a tale of harrowing abuse on multiple levels Mm-hmm. But you've got it all twisted. And you, so, like, I think, you know, from out for I, I, I have enough faith in the double F's that they surely have to know that there is some crazy shit and that there's got to be just like there's balance in the force between the Jedi who were too rigid and unemotional and and, and devoid of not just attachments to things, uh, but like attachments to each other. Um and the Sith, who are cruel and selfish and, and, you know, power hungry, there's a balance between that. There's like both sides are crazy. Surely he sees that there's a balance between the people that don't respect um, uh, community and culture and uh, 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 and and the, the solidarity and stuff of the, the Mandalorian cult has versus the Mandalorian cult itself, which is this rigid hierarchical um that, that demands total obedience and 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 no and, conf- and a total conformity of thought. Surely they understand that. Maybe I, I, I hope so because I what I see happening right now is I see this singularity that is the Mandalorians gathering up all the goodwill in this show. Um, mm. You know, Mando himself, the the hero of the story, the protagonist is going to great lengths to become part of the cult again. Um, because he believes this is the way. This is the way is the slogan that everyone uses uh, to say. Like, I mean, even amongst the fandom, right? I think like this is a blind spot for the fandom as well. They all, everybody walks around repeating this is the way as if this is some honorable good thing to do to brainwash yourself with slogans of cults. Uh, the, the, the bad guys are very clearly bad guys in this show. Uh, the cult is winning people over. I, I see all the goodwill gathering and being sucked up into the Mandalorians here. I don't know if, if maybe they're like preparing for a, a big surprise, like where, Oh, all along we've been tricking you into thinking the Mandalorians are the best. Turns out they're not the best. They're flawed like any, anybody else. Right. And maybe even worse. So I don't know if that's coming, but if it's not, which I, I suspect it's not, then yeah, they're not they're not really taking the cult stuff seriously. What's really funny is I just when we were talking about it, you mentioned this is the way is is like I forgot there is a song in the JW hymn book called This Is the Way. Oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and it uses that phrase like sixteen times to reinforce the different tenets of the witness. Like, oh damn, why yeah, sometimes like I for it's been so long that I forget like Jesus, we're in a no shit cult, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, Matt from Canada says to answer one of your questions, the night owls are a felony creation from the clone wars. It's not something that's introduced here. It's the mm. name of the unit Bo-Katan led before the purge of Mandalore. If she has any personal allies remaining, they would still presumably be night owls. I also love that they spell it N I T E. Like, 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 like the old, uh, watchman hero. Sure. <laughs> or, or a person that stays up too late. These, you know, <laughs> 
Um, to speculate on the dehumanizing, uh, dehumanizing numbers used for the former Imperials. Ah, yes. My thought was this allows the amnesty seekers to fully break with their tainted identities. Dr. Pershing goes into program. Scientist L-52 is rehabilitated. When this is deemed complete, they give him a new identity, clear of any association with his past, other than perhaps sealed records of uh, all this that the Republic keeps in case of recidivism and send him on his way. Not sure it's supported by anything in the text of the show, but it's a logical reason to do it if it's not just them taking revenge on Imperials. Yeah. Don't they I let mean, him give this speech as Dr. Pershing? I thought so too. That seems to be at old. odds with this theory, but yeah. like, I mean, it's just like, I, I think it still makes the New Republic seem sinister because I just like, anytime you strip away a person's name and give them a number, like, that has never been seen as like a positive thing. No, it's dehumanizing, right? Right. And, and, and usually it's, it's intended it's to be so. Kind of like a brainwashing thing, too, you know, to be it. I mean, it can be positive. Like, if you, I'm not saying like you convert to certain religions, you might get a new name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you attain achievement in a particular society, you might get names and titles and stuff. And that's, that, that's different than someone taking your name away and giving and imposing it on you. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I thought it's intended to show that the new Republic is a little fucked up. Like, that's what I got from that episode, that there are elements in the new Republic oh, yeah. that are kind of sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross says, I just would like to offer a contrarian opinion on why the mind white machine might have a power dial. There are many species in the universe uh, that form part of the New Republic, so an argument could be made that based on a species anatomy, a human may need only a one to function therapeutically, but a Mon Calamari might need to jack the machine up to ten to meet their needs. They're probably just providing plot cover for a show that hasn't earned it, especially since the current turned red, which seemed to indicate that, yeah, this is bad. Um, well, you it know could what? know that it's got a human and it's in right, its Right, it calibrates it. So, yeah. I do like that yeah, because they even they even mentioned that like some minds are stronger than others in terms of some species. Who the fuck was the uh, there was Watto that their species? Oh, uh, I don't you know the, the flying name of spe- slave uh-huh. driver in Tatooine. Junkyard. He mentioned okay. that that his species the mind tricks don't work on them. Now, I don't know if that was just his bravado. It seemed not to work, or it seemed it seemed to not work though. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think in terms of like, yeah, you might need to crank it up to get through to uh, Ithorian or, um, yeah, makes sense. They're, they're just heads are different size. You got to get to get, get to penetrate to the, the therapeutic level. Uh, Erin says, I just watched episode three last night and didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't sure why. After listening to your podcast, I think my main issue is with Dr. Pershing stuff. It felt completely disjointed for what's happening with Din Jaren and why I agreed that everything with the doctor was compelling. I felt like a completely different show. It left me with so many questions <laughs> about the comms officer that I don't really care what happens to Jin and the group next. I just want to stay on Coruscant. Maybe that feeling is what the writers want, but it feels wrong that in a show called The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian stuff is honestly the least interesting part of it now. I feel like the Mandal sorry, I feel like the showrunners are writing themselves in the corner, but only time will tell. This is just this is just a Disney plusification more than anything. Yeah. This is their MO. They're going to cram four different shows into one show. Sometimes it's just parts of other shows that they've already got going and they're right. going to cram them into this other show because it fits in the schedule and they feel like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They needed, they, they, they had all, they had all this pre-production done on Cara Dune, new Republic Ranger. And that muscle woman kind of went off the deep end and popular political thought. <laughs> 
So mm-hmm. they're like, fuck, we need another muscle woman to make into a New Republic Ranger. Ah, Katie O'Brien, here you go. And we're just going to jumpstart it. It, I, I honestly feel that's exactly what's happening. They are wanting to do something big with Katie O'Brien. They probably do have a lot of like plans around the New Republic, you know, because they built all those on ramps into these marshals. And the New Republic police force that's like overmatched mm-hmm. in the outer rim, and you need something like the Fenris Rangers in Star Trek. You know, they're trying to get something like that off the ground, and then they lost their star. So, do you just give up, or do you find another star? I and and just like the Book of Boba, like that's a thin show, and then you take two and a half episodes or a stealth Mandalorian season. Um, I agree with you. Feel- I think it sucks. I, I think it's stupid. It's it's incredibly stupid, but they're doing it <laughs> they're doing it over and over yeah it's another example of just them shoehorning an entirely different show into the one you're watching so they can spin off something else they can have another property for you to watch and get you more invested in the platform you know and it's not i'm, I'm not even gonna say it's totally disconnected because this guy served with gideon that clearly they're gonna do something with gideon uh-huh. i imagine but they killed this guy so so now you got this communication yeah it like I said, I, I I imagine it will go somewhere that does connect loosely eventually, but it is a flaw with these Disney Plus things that they kind of expect you to watch all of them, and because of that, they don't expect you to go like, oh, fuck, or go on. They expect you to get excited that, like, oh, where's this going to go? And I'm going to go on to my favorite Star Wars forum. I'm going to speculate about what we... Oh, and this person was actually introduced in this comic book. And, oh, they actually have a four-arc thing. Of, so now, Felon, you know, Felonius... <laughs> Felonius. Dave Felonius. Darth, uh-huh. Darth, Darth Felonius Fel- has taking the time to make the a decade of fucking cartoons and he's going to shove it down me and Jim's throat whether we like it or not in the fullness of time. Yeah, um, I mean it feels like they're trying to do the marvelification of Star Wars, right? And I don't mean that from yeah. like the the movies and TV shows, what I mean is the comics. Like they're Yes. They're trying to turn Star Wars into those comics that are weirdly interconnected and they want you to read them all right the more yeah. issues they can get you to buy the more shows they can get you to watch yeah or at least you know like, plus for them or at least like you know when i was a kid and i was reading spider-man i never was like oh the punisher's here this sucks i hate this up it's like always cool to see your hero bounce off a new guy or like oh it's i guess spidey's technically a west coast avenger here comes the thor to hang out for an episode it wasn't like but they were I was hanging reading out with with spider-man or whatever right they weren't like taking over and it was a totally different story that's the thing it wasn't like you're never going to see five episodes of like in the amazing spider-man the mighty thor just taking over right and them still calling it the amazing spider-man where the fuck's my spider-man yeah or worse yet you've never heard of the mighty thor because he's a brand Mm -hmm. new comic character that might have been in a video game that was loosely based on a Mar. now it's like oh boy here's a four episodes uh, mighty thor arc yeah I, it's so cynical. It's just, it's so cynical. I hate it. It's just I, that's the thing. for money. I thought if there was like a, a creative vision where it's like, we want to build this massive interconnected universe and it's going to be awesome for blah, blah, blah. But it's so clearly just like, we have to hit these, you know, I, we, you know, we, we paid uh, $2 billion for this uh, IP 10 years ago. And we've already made billion. 10 times that money. But like, have you thought about the fact that we could be making more? 
Right. And we've got a new streaming platform that we're trying to justify the existence of. We're trying to mm-hmm. keep and get new subscribers for uh, yeah. our stock prices going down because we haven't been able to do that very effectively. How do we do that? Well, we interconnect all of Star Wars. We force everybody to watch these 15 new shows that we've got. Yeah. And it's get to the point now that like Marvel is losing their shit because a couple of their like one or two of their um, phase four or phase five things didn't make like a billion dollars worldwide. And there's like, you <laughs> right. know, executives are being fired and shit over. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, well, Disney needs to buy their next property that's untainted and go all in on that. And they'll have another couple, couple five years run of shitting up that property and they can dump it the, the into the vault like, and bring it back in 20 years and all this will cyclically <sighs> reappear. Do you feel me on this? Because like I can feel the star Wars love returning to my body like Andor, And then I think this has been a pretty good season of man. Like my, my expectations properly adjusted. I think this has exceeded my expectations in terms of like, it's slightly more adult storytelling than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I, the one diversion I thought was fucking awesome. I really love to see more Coruscant. I like to see like the darker side of the New Republic. These kind of shades of gray is exactly what I was expecting out of a bounty hunter show. Um, yeah, between this and this, this and Andor's last season, I'm kind of like again. I'm 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 still still got my guard up, and I'm I'm not. I don't know what I honestly don't know where they're going in terms of like the movies, man. Like. Did you see this week that they just announced that uh, Lindelof's uh, not doing his Lindelof bail project? On him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's insane. I, I, I don't like. I don't it know. It sucks because I know what a huge fan he is. Uh, look, he a lot of the people who directed amazing. movies have been huge fans of Star Wars. <laughs> some of them sure. have done it well. Some of them have done it very poorly. So I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but Lindelof is like. He, his batting average is so freaking high for me. I would have loved to see what he did with Star Wars. It's kind of a shame. Yeah. I will see because, like I said, I, I've got faith, and I, I think they finally, with the double Fs, they've got some good hands for, like, long-term planning of the franchise. Like, there's a there's some firm hands on the wheel, but... Uh, yeah, yeah they, well, just need to keep, they just need to keep doing stuff like Andor and Mandalorian. Um it's too bad that they kind of like fucked up the the Skywalker saga for everybody, but that's honestly been fucked since yeah. Return of the Jedi. So, <laughs> I mean, I could I kind of take or leave Mando, especially with the stunts that they pull, putting half the season into a different show. Uh, but Andor, Andor to me is like if there's going to be a thing that's going to bring my love for Star Wars back, it's that very adult focused content. Um, it speaks to me like. I'm the 40 year old that I am who's been in love with star Wars, his entire childhood and, and early twenties. And and now I've grown up, you know, and I want to hear these stories. I don't want it to be baby Krogu's and shit like that all the time. I think that's the one brilliant thing. Well, there's a lot of brilliant things that JK Rowling did with Harry Potter and say what you will about JK today. And I could say a lot, but I think it's so brilliant to write a series that ages with its intended audience. Like you join totally. Harry Potter when he's a little child, he's like 10 or 11. And by the time, you know, he goes to a seven year boarding school and he's like 17, 18 years old and have an age appropriate romances and the danger kind of scales and the things getting more dark and operatic. And that's just such a brilliant idea. And it's like, man, there's a, there was a chance in star Wars 
to like keep that going where like you are telling stories for the people who are now in their 40s and 50s and yes they love that as a kid but now they're wanting to grow and i know that's i don't know how i feel like i rated our star wars but certainly more adult storytelling along the lines of what they're doing in Andor would be appreciated by me. And I, I know maybe you need to have like different levels of, you know, like this is star Wars mature or star Wars teen or star right. Wars kid. Um, but like, I would really prefer them to do something like that rather than just, well, star Wars has always been for children. So we're just going to pitch it at that level because that means star Wars is, right? is not for me as an adult, you know, like that, once, that means people age kid, out of it. And if they yeah, want like you, everyone on the planet to appreciate this stuff, they need all ages content. You can keep it going with kids like, you know, when I had my son and and uh, he was really into Star Wars, like that was a really emotional thing that we're both into that together and it connected us. But like my son's 16 now and he's grown out of the Mandalorian. He doesn't watch it with me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's moved on to the expanse and Dune. Yeah. And for all mankind and the Mandalorian is just like, it's cool for like five minutes at a time but like he'd rather go fucking play Tarkov with his buddies so of course I I do wish that they had like you know a a franchise that scales with the viewers experience Um, because we always got the kid shit it's not like anyone's taking that away but we have vanishingly few mature pieces of storytelling in Star Wars that is our mailbag for this week. Thanks to everybody that sent in over the weeks mando at baldmove.com when we get another chance to open it up uh yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove if you want to keep up with everything we're doing. If you like all of our science fiction fantasy type coverage, I really encourage you to go ahead and find Bald Move Pulp, which is our feed that houses all this content, including The Mandalorian. If you're one of those people that have like 17 Bald Move subscriptions in their podcast app, get rid of that. Go find Bald Move Pulp and Bald Move Prestige. Subscribe to that, and then you can get everything. And finally, if you're enjoying our content and you want to get more of it with with no ads, I highly encourage you to join our club, support.baldmove.com, to get ad-free feeds and a ton of other bonus video and audio content. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back next week for more Mando. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. This is The Way. <laughs> <laughs>